It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Coming out of Florida, Brevard County, Florida. Got a video for you. Man, take a look at this. This individual got exactly what he deserved. And to those out there who might be foolish enough to ask why we shot him so many times, that answer is simple. Because evil can never be dead enough. That's right. That's Brevard County Sheriff. He said evil can never be dead enough. This man uh, looks like he ambushed uh, some sheriff's deputies in Brevard County there. Uh, with it looks like an AR pistol, uh, some kind of AR pistol uh, firearm there. And man, he jumped out of the back seat of that vehicle. Officers finally were able to return fire, stop and, you know, and stop the threat. And I tell you, things are getting kind of crazy because last night, you know, I don't know if you, you saw this, Zach. Last night yeah. was crazy in Austin. We we hit our number 60 homicides, 60 homicides, the most homicides ever in the history of Austin, Texas. For this time in the year or for an entire year? Period, for an entire year. Wow, we've and already this, hit that in September. And this is September. The most homicides ever in the city of Austin, ever. And this is number, number 60, and we're in September. We have a few more months to go. There we got uh, quite we got some time to quite a few more months to pump to those numbers up too. We do, we do. It, it it was crazy last night. It there was like a stabbing downtown Austin in the in the party district on Sixth Street. There was a uh, let me see a port of a person brandishing a, a gun, and these all happened like in North Austin. Uh, three people attempting to break into an apartment. It, it all happened within like a, a from two a.m. until about four a.m. in the morning. A uh, person was shot outside a a nightclub. A uh, report of a vehicle struck by gunfire. These are all separate incidents. Um, report of gunshots fired. It was just madness, you know, just madness all night long, you know, and just continue. Four gunshots fired, a different part of town, uh, armed person at another part of town, uh, person brandishing a gun at a hookah, uh, hookah cafe, you know, in another part of town. You know, shots fired, three people were detained, a different part of town. Uh, someone carjacked someone with a at gunpoint. <laughs> it's a different incident. Uh, five gunshots were fired. Totally different incident. It was just like from 2 a.m. until 4 4 a.m. in the morning. It just continued to happen, you know, all around Austin. It was just crazy. This is, uh, you know, th this is the time, you know, you got to, man, You one, I'm at home at 2 o'clock in the morning. There's no way in the world I'll be out at 2 a.m. You know, my dad said nothing good happens after midnight. I, I, yeah, I know what my mother said. You know, only things that, you know, outside at, after 2 o'clock in the morning is something I can't say on air. Yeah, and with those carjackings, uh, New Orleans, for example, since 2019, carjackings are up 173% there. Wow. It's, it's, it's like post-COVID-19, it's, it's post and I think the natives are restless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the nature. I mean, there's just there's out and about, just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's just insane right now. Uh, it's just everywhere. I just don't get it. I don't. I don't get it at all. Um, but you know what? We have guns and giggles. Let me tell you, we have guns and giggles coming up this weekend on, on Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, yeah. guns and giggles. That's right. The comedy show. It's a comedy show in a gun store. We're gonna talk about all everything, current events. You know, gonna talk about COVID. If nothing's off limits, you know, I, I like my comedians talk about everything. You know, last weekend it was just it, they were talking about some stuff. I had to walk out of the room. It was just so gruesome. 
You know, I <laughs> so you know I let them talk about whatever they want to talk about. You know, but we're gonna have guns and giggles comedy show at Central Texas Gunworks at seven p.m. Uh, this Saturday. Doors are gonna open at seven. It's BYOB. B- you know why it's BYOB? Because this is September. It's September, and you know what? You can have a license, carry a handgun, and be .08. So that's right. We're gonna do BYOB. Uh, get come and sit down. Uh, listen to some comedy, have a beer, and just have a great time. We're going to talk about politics. I want to talk about, man, uh, you know, it's you know, it, it's funny because I, it kills me, you know, when I sit and talk to my friends, you know, and I, I've seen friends do DMT. I've seen people, you know, do will grab a bag of Coke from some random person in, in a bar and do a line of, you know, on a toilet seat that 50 people have used. And they just will not take the vaccine. <laughs> I'm a doctor. What's up with that, Zach? <laughs> You're a doctor now. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. But then on the same token, you know, I've seen people in this is all the kind of stuff we're going to talk about at the comedy show, Guns and Giggles. <laughs> I've I've seen people, um, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You want to talk about the vaccine? We're going to get tagged on Facebook when we talk about the vaccine. You just said it twice. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too right. late. I know. It's too late. Twitter, we're done. Facebook, we're done. You know, they don't want us to talk about the vaccine. You're not allowed to talk about the vaccine. Mm-mm. Not talk, allowed to talk about COVID-19. But we're going to talk about the comedy show. I want to laugh about this stuff, you know. I mean, you know, it, and to me, it's, it's, it's people's choice, you know. It's up to them. They want to do this or not. You know, I really don't care, you know, honestly. Uh, so, oh. And see something happened with the video there. See, that's what happens when we talk about the vaccine. Something happened with the video? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry. We're having trouble playing the video. <laughs> Does it say that now? It says that now. That's what it says. Oh, wow. Oh, man. See, that's what happens when we talk about the vaccine. <laughs> Ooh. I think we're flagged. We are. Way. We are. Uh-huh. That's, you we know, have a special flag. At this point, we really are. You know, <laughs> when, we, when we go on Facebook, I swear we'd be lucky we get like 100 views on Facebook. It's funny because we'll get like, you know, 200 comments or, you know, it'll be like 200 likes, but only like 50 views. <laughs> it's like that really, that literally makes no sense whatsoever. They love us. <laughs> they do. It, it makes no sense. I'm like, you're making up the numbers. You're, you're just making up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, they actually did that with White House videos on YouTube. What's that? They've been altering the like and dislike numbers. How do you do that? On those. Well, oh, it's to make, Google. To make Google people think them. that more people are actually watching the White House when they really are not? Um, less people are disliking the video and more people are liking it. That's what they <laughs> want you to think. And those ratios are the craziest thing I've ever seen. Mm. The amount of dislikes on some of those White House videos. Yeah. They're mind-boggling. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, no, that's crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, what, uh, like what, uh, what are some of the videos they post? Oh, just like uh, when Biden's doing a press conference or something like that. Uh, no one pays attention to him. Come on, seriously, really? <laughs> I mean, come on. All right. You know why? Because <laughs> he, he's it's like he puts me to sleep. He's so boring. Yeah, in the last press conference they did, basically, come on, was, man. was with the. <laughs> he was saying that he's going to get the Department of Labor to, do to mandate companies that are over 100 employees to vaccinate all employees. Ooh. They're going to make that mandated. That's a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. That's what he said. <laughs> Don't argue with the man. I saw a guy post on Twitter. He said, all right, just fired 13 vaccinated employees to get my count down to 99. That was easy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, man. You have to, uh, you like, you want to go to the, uh, uh, you have to show your ID to go vote, you know, but you don't, you know, but. You don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. We don't have to. Uh-huh. We Yeah, see, we don't have to show our ID to go vote, but they want us to show our vaccine card. Uh-huh. Ooh. Oh, but UK just scrapped their vaccine passport. Did they? They got rid of it. Why? Well, they scrapped the the plan for it. Mm. All right. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about that. I want to talk about mental health and guns. I want to get serious here for a second. Mental health and guns. We're going to talk with Mike Sedini uh, from Walk the Talk America. We're going to talk about mental health and guns, things that people don't want to talk about. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Because evil can never be dead enough.
Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. Some people don't like to talk about mental health and guns, but I, I like to talk about those subjects that are, are taboo. You're not supposed to discuss. So today we're going to talk mental health and guns. Is mental health and guns a problem? Do we have suicide, you know, problems and with people using guns in the gun community and not in the gun community? I want to break all that stuff down and we're going to bring it to the conversation. Mike Sedini. Um, Mike Sedini is with from Walk the Talk America is with Walk the Talk America. And what that organization does is uh, they believe that gun owners and firearm sellers, I'm sorry, firearm sellers and mental health professionals must brand together, band together to protect the rights of all citizens and reduce the number of deaths by suicide. Walk the Talk America believes that by raising awareness and sharing accurate information, we can reach suffering individuals and let them know that they can seek help without consequences in most states. Uh, you know, we can pave the way for those in need to gain access to treatment. We can save lives. We can shield their friends, families, and loved ones from the overwhelming sense of grief, confusion, and emptiness that suicide causes. You know, because I see people like in the gun community you know, leaders in a gun community that will commit suicide, you know. And so we, we need to reach out and, and, and talk about this issue and talk about how we can solve this problem. So let me bring into the conversation Mike Sedini with Walk to Talk America. Welcome to Come and Talk, sir. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, sir. So tell us more about your organization. How did you get started? You know, what made you do this? Uh, well, the organization got started in 2018 on a, like a chance meeting with a complete stranger who asked a simple question, what happens during a mass shooting, right? And my national sales manager and I were sitting at dinner and we said, well, everybody blames the gun industry. We blame the mental health community and nothing ever happens. And she asked one question that completely changed my life. She said, well, if you've identified the problem, if you think it's a mental health thing, how do you work with the mental health community to find solutions? And that was a light bulb moment for me. Um, and I had been affected by suicide by firearm because the president of my own company, I used to own a firearms importer, took his own life with one of our firearms in 2009. So I had always wanted to do something in his honor. Um, and I thought working with the mental health community to kind of reduce uh, mass shootings and things like that would make sense. But what I found was that I couldn't just throw money at the problem, right? Because that was the thing I was going to do. I was going to donate a dollar gun, and I was going to get other companies in the gun industry to donate to the lack of funding that the mental health community always talks about so they could provide solutions. Well, what I found is they didn't have solutions, mm. right? That's something we had to work on. So that's how Walk the Talk basically got started because it forced me to look inside to the firearms community and say, we can't give you legislation. We can't give you restriction. But we can give you valuable space, and we can also educate people in the mental health community to understand the firearms community. Mm. Wow. Yeah, you know, because we, we've talked about, like, veteran suicide, because four times as many troops and vets have died by suicide as in combat, you know, a study shows, you know. But we, we haven't looked at this from the aspect of, you know, looking at it from, you know, the gun community. You know, we looked at it from veteran standpoint, but not the gun community. And, you know, it, it is a problem. You know, so, Mike, how did you get started with this? You know, what made you decide to what made you decide to say, you know what, this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to start an organization and we're going to do this. Well, I knew that that I knew that I could get some other people in the firearms community just because of, I, you know, I'm a product of nepotism. I've been in the firearms community for over 25 years. So I knew that I could get people to 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 chip in and, and look for solutions. And it was just something that excited me. Um, and what I found is. And I never want to make light of any mass shooting um, situation, but what I found is when I did a deeper dive into the mental health community, they were pushing me to work on suicide prevention. And at first I said, okay, I want to do that as well, but I want to, I really want to work on mass shootings. Well, when you look at the numbers, right, it's a real eye opener. Um, I'm in Las Vegas right now. I'm coming to you from Las Vegas down the street, Mandalay Bay. We all know that number, you know, October 1, 59 people died that night. We lose over 65 people a day to suicide by firearm. Mm. 
every day and nobody talks about it the media doesn't talk about it it's not sexy they don't run stories about it for months it's Um, funny you say that because the media don't like talking about suicide at all because they feel that more people will commit suicide if they discuss this yeah which which we all know isn't true and that's the thing is we need to shine light on this stuff and you know for me it's part of it is also too is like i want to show the rest of the country um, people that are either gun neutral or anti-gun that the gun industry cares, right? Because the rap on us is that we don't care. We don't do anything. All we do is sell guns. And that's simply not true, right? There's a lot of good people in the firearms industry. And like I said, we have the valuable space, right? The it's, it's, fun, we- it, it's funny you say that because, you know, people think that like, you know, me owning a gun store, they think, oh, you're just, you know, you're just trying to sell more guns. You don't care about people. You'll, you know, anyone that walks into the gun store, you'll sell them a gun. But we actually, you know, we go out of our way to talk to people and if we feel that something's not right with someone, we're not going to sell them a firearm. You know, people just think we'll just sell anyone a gun. That's really not true. You know, if I, I've had family members call the gun store, you know, saying that their family, you know, there's someone in their family has some type of mental issue. And, you know, we need to not sell them a gun if they walked into the gun store because they saw they were Googling our name or something like that. And so we won't sell them a firearm because I don't want that on my conscience. You know, I've had a young lady walk into the store uh, to buy a gun, and while she was in the store, her husband called and said, you know, please don't sell her a gun. She, you know, she's taking this medication, she's doing this medication, and, you know, we've had to, you know, put her in a facility and da-da-da-da-da, and, you know, can you not sell her a gun because she's trying to get a gun to possibly commit suicide, and we won't, you know, sell them a gun, you know, And, and people think that we're heartless when we really are not. Right. And that's true. And, and one of the biggest issues I think that the firearms industry and, and gun stores in general um, have had is the lack of, um, you know, communication with the mental health community. Right. Like because the mental health community doesn't understand us and we don't understand mental health sometimes, there's no communication. And that's what we're trying to do. One of the things that we do that I think is very interesting is that we we have a course that we train mental health clinicians in Gun 101. Now, for someone like yourself, that would be a very boring course, right? Because you're just learning about gun culture. Um, but this helps the mental health clinicians locally develop relationships with the firearms shops, right? So you have somebody to lean on to say like, hey, this person came in or, hey, I want to refer this person down to you. And these are the ways that we can work together, right? These are ways that don't involve restriction, legislation, and it, it's education and bringing two worlds together. Nice. Uh, yeah, we're talking with uh, Michael Sedini. He was raised in an urban environment that shunned gun culture by a pro-Second Amendment 2A community, family with ties to the firearm and sporting industry. Uh, Walk the Talk America founder Michael Sedini is known by many as the most ungun gun guy. Since 2009, he owned and operated his family's successful firearm company, Eagle Imports, a chance encounter one evening in 2018 changed everything when Michael and his national sales manager invited a stranger to join them at their dinner table. And the conversation naturally shifted to gun violence in America. The young woman asked, what happens when there is a school shooting? Michael explained that one side blames the gun while the other side blames mental health. Because of this, unfortunately, nothing is ever resolved. And the woman then asked, well... How do you as an industry work with mental health if you have identified the problem? It would make sense that the two industries work hand in hand. So, Michael, how do we work hand in hand? Well, there's a number of different ways we can. As I just mentioned, the class, I think, is very important. We've had hundreds of mental health clinicians come through our course and get certified, uh, which is a big deal uh, because, once again, you're educating a side that that generally doesn't understand gun culture. The other way is that we, we, we give access to mental health screenings. And for those of you that are streaming at home, this is a card that many gun stores and gun tra- uh, you know, tra- trainers, uh, firearms instructors, uh, everything from uh, gun manufacturers, ammo manufacturers, they put this in their boxes and it leads to free and anonymous mental health screenings where people can go Hey, we're in the gun industry, right? What's better than free and anonymous and especially being anonymous? You can go in there and you can you can go under one of the screenings for depression, anxiety, anything that you think you might have and see where you stand. Right. And you don't always have to be in crisis to take a screening. So these are a couple of different ways that we could you know, work together with the mental health community to get people the help they need. And also, I, I do a lot on the front lines of trying 
trying to fight legislation that stigmatizes guns and mental health, right? So we have allies on the other side. They're not perfect allies, but there's a lot of overlapping interests. And we can use that to shoot down some of these bills that don't make sense that stigmatize mental health and force people to not get help. All right, we're talking with Walk to Talk America, Mike Sedini. We're talking about mental health. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Thirteen seven, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It, and now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about mental health. I want to read you a story from a former firearms instructor. This is off the website of uh, Walk the Talk America, and just so you know, it does include the story does contain mention of domestic violence and suicidal ideation. Uh, I want to share my experience with you on this suicide prevention. Uh, I used to be a firearms instructor. It was through my training and work with the local law enforcement and domestic violence resources that I realized I was living in a domestic violence situation. My abuser saw himself losing control, and he financially coerced me into quitting the firearms industry. That's when I entered a three-year period of isolation and this last year has been exceptionally mentally difficult for me. I have complex PTS from prolonged childhood abuse, sexual assault, and a violent attack where I was stabbed in the face and chest. I have a significant anxiety disorder and a significant situational depression. I also have no mental health care access because my legal husband makes too much money and our HSA has maxed out. Plus, we're severely in debt, and I have been trying for six years to find a way out, but I have no family or resources. Being a stay-at-home mom for 11 years with two autistic children has taken me to a place mentally where I no longer carry a firearm. I couldn't stop putting my pistol in my mouth. It gave me chills hearing you today because I've been saying for years I feel like I have been screaming from the root from the roof of a burning building for years. Eventually, people jump. But I'm proud of myself for doing the right thing and making sure I don't have access in a weak moment. There's a program where people can check in their firearms for safe storage without government intervention. I honestly believe this program could reduce the firearm suicide rate, especially after my experience. Thank you for doing what you do. And starting the conversation, you know, our uh, one helpful resource for me was the NSF, NSSF suicide awareness pamphlet. And, and, you know, just I encourage people to take a look at that. And that's something that, you know, we've had to do. I've had families contact me. I had a young uh, a wife uh, call me up and say, you know, Michael, you know, we have some issues. I'm having some issues with my husband. And so I'm going to have to lock all of our firearms up. And, you know, work these issues and I need a, a safe place to store those firearms. You know, can you do this for me? And so that's something that, you know, we provide. You know, I've had to do this for several families, you know, in the Travis County, in the Austin, San Marcos, New Braunfels area where I can I hold on to those firearms while they work through whatever issue that they have. And whether it's a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, hold on to those guns. And then they come back in, you know, four years later, whatever, however long it takes and pick them back up and then bring them back home. You know, so we're talking today with uh, Walk the Talk America. We're talking with Mike Sedini and he's telling us about, you know, his organization and what they offer. And I want to ask Mike, you know, what made, you know, usually when someone gets in something like this and you dedicate so much of your soul, your heart to something like this, that means that something really has happened in your life, you know, to make make you actually do this. You know, is there something you have a story or something that you're holding back on? Well, I have a couple stories. Uh, the first one being is the one I mentioned earlier. For those of you that just tuned in, uh, I lost the president of my own firearms company to suicide by firearm. Uh, he he 
basically he got a DUI and I, I guess at the time he felt that there was no other way out and went to our office, took the firearm, went to his house and took his life. Um, and it was one of those weird situations where in the industry, we really couldn't talk about it because back then in 2009, like suicide by firearm is something that would totally get weaponized against us in the gun community. Um, and so that was a, a driving factor of it. The next one is, is that my daughters, the, the mother of my children, uh, battles schizophrenia. And we have a very good working relationship, parenting plan and everything like that. But it was one of those things where I was able to create this organization. And instead of bad-mouthing an ex, uh, it, was one, it was something that I, I really – I was proud of myself, right? Because that's the easy way out. But diving into something like this where you're helping people get uh, mental health treatment when they're in crisis is something that my daughters have been able to watch for the last three years. And we made it pretty far. I mean, we've gotten to the White House, you know, just real key moments in, in their lives where they could say, like, my dad's helping people and helping people becomes addictive. Hmm. And then, and then, you know, what, what, so what do you do when someone comes to you and say they're having an issue, they have a problem, you know, what, what services are you guys providing? Well, we are not mental health clinicians, although there is a mental health clinician on my board of directors, but what we do is we try to place them, uh, depending on where their location is, where they can get help and what kind of crisis they're in. So, you know, we get people that call us all the time or we get emails and then we are one of our biggest, our national partners is mental health America. And they have a whole network of clinicians and things, uh, you know, organizations that can help. Uh, we also work with the VA. You know, a lot of times when people contact you and in their crisis, they just need to know where to go. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things I think that we can uh, we can do as a as the gun community, especially store owners, is kind of have a pamphlet or something like that that you could be displayed on your counter where um, there's access to uh, local centers that people can get treatment when they're in crisis, right? When you move into a new home, your realtor gives you a card and the card usually has the, you know, the local school, the water, the electric, you know, the cable, all those numbers. But we don't do that for mental health and we need to start doing that. All right. And you guys have like some kind of introductory uh, class or something like that you have, right? Yeah, we have a, we have a course that we we bring mental health conditions. We teach them. Uh, we certify them. Uh, they get CEU credits, and uh, basically it's three parts. Uh, before COVID, we used to have them out in the range, and it was really cool because, once again, one, they go through that course, and then they realize, hey, these local gun stores, they're not my enemy. They're not – they want to work with me. I want to work with them, and they develop a relationship with them, and then people could refer them uh, when they come in. Like you said, you know, you mentioned you've had people call the shop and say, like, someone's coming down there. Don't buy a gun, right? Uh, what better way – to, to, to get somebody help is not only to say like, look, why don't you hold off on this gun? We, we don't want to sell you this gun right now, but also here's where you can go get help and not be punished for it, right? Not have to wear a Scarlet A or have your gun rights taken away. So that's that's really what we're working for. Right, and that's and that's what a lot of people are afraid of. They're afraid of if they could get put in the system, then they'll lose, the, lose their gun rights forever, you know? Uh, they really yeah. realizing that, hey, I want to call out for help. I want to ask someone for help. I want to go somewhere, you know, but I don't want to, you know, in doing this, I don't want to cause myself more harm and later on down the road, you know, cause me to, you know, lose all of my rights. Right. And then, and that's a, a very big concern in certain states, right? But for most states, and like I said, I don't want to say all states, but like states like New York, that's not a very good place to go get help. And that's going to get people killed, right? Because they're not going to come forward and then they're going to hit stage four. Um, and that's not a good place for them to be. But in most states, clinicians can't take your firearms. Um, you know, there's it's it's a very tricky situation. But see, that's the whole thing is like we want to connect people before people get to that crisis mode. Right? It's okay to go talk to somebody when you're in crisis, or you. It's okay to talk to somebody when you're not in crisis, right? Just to make sure everything's going. We, people go get physicals every year. They should do it for their their mental health as well. And what is the um, at the intersection of guns and mental health? What is that about? Well, the intersection of guns and mental health is basically suicide. Um, if you look at the number of, of deaths by firearm, two thirds of them are suicide by firearm. Right. So, so that's the corner that we hang out at. That's the mass shooting every day that I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, now I think we're up to 65 people a day. Uh, you know, these are people that that use the tool. Right. The firearm is a tool. 
and and they complete the act of suicide. Well, we're not saying that we could stop this, but we could do our best to link them up for an opportunity to get help through the firearm. So the gun could represent not only freedom and protecting your family, but it could be a place where people can go and be a conduit to get the help they need when they're in crisis without fear of consequence. I think it's important. And how do you guys, uh, do you guys offer anything to gun stores and, and you know their clerks and helping them to you know, identify certain signs or you know what to look for or anything like that? Yeah, we could do training. Uh, one of the things that I just, and you're gonna know what I'm talking about when I say this, you guys have so much responsibility at a gun store. Right. You got to look for straw purchases. You got to take calls from sales reps. You got to You got marketing got, or, you know, manufacturers reps coming into the shop. You got to perform customer service. Um, now, the expectation level is to you for you to be like a mental health clinician, be able to spot things. That is very difficult to do. And we appreciate that. We, we understand that that's very difficult. Um, but what we'd like to do is provide these cards, the cards that I, I held up earlier, right, that basically lead to the mental health screenings um, and where they can go get help with Walk Talk America. And then also on the back, we, we leave space for the local clinicians to be able to put their numbers and information so people can take it. What I like about it is it, is, is if people have it out on their counter, shops have it out on their counter, um, people can take it. You know, some shops are a little bit more proactive. They'll put it, they'll put it in every, um, you know, with every receipt in the bag. But some people will pick it up, put it in their purse, put it in their wallet, put it in their pocket, and take off. Other people want to talk to the guy behind the counter. I mean, there's different ways that that this kind of just opens up the conversation and makes people aware. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, what about your your? You say your your family. Everyone's involved in this, right, Michael? Well, yeah, actually, my family's all out of the business, and and I sold my business in 2018 to do this full time. Uh, you know, I had to come home one day and tell my wife, like, I'm going to pursue this passion, and guess what? I'm selling my company uh, to to do this, and I'm not really sure how we're going to make a living, but I think I know this is the right thing to do. And here we are, three years later, and uh, we have some of the biggest names in the firearms industry. Uh, we have companies like Arms Corps. Uh, and High Point that participate in putting this flyer in every single gun box that they have. Um, Arms Corps Ammunition is actually putting the screening, the link for the screening on the side of the box for their ammunition. This is stuff that's unheard of, right? And this is stuff that the government can't even tell us what to do right now. We got to do it first, right? And then that shows the rest of the world, like these people are really serious about, about, you know, bringing down the numbers and mitigating trauma. And that's the most important thing. The firearms industry has a little bit of a PR issue when it comes to the people that don't understand us and what better way to just grab it and become socially conscious. Just because we're firearms owners or we're from the gun culture doesn't mean that we can't be socially conscious. We got to defend our 2A rights and be socially conscious at the same time. That's right. And man, later on the hour, we're going to talk about the Texas State Capitol because a lot of people don't know this. Got some breaking news for you out of the Texas State Capitol. Do you, Zach, do you think unlicensed people can carry a gun in the Capitol? What do you think if I told you, you know, if I asked you that question? Could unlicensed people carry a gun in the Capitol? Yeah. Guess what? Yeah, I got some news for you, Zach. We're going to talk about that because I walked into the Capitol as an unlicensed individual and carried a gun. That's right. We're going to talk about that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. And I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking mental health and guns with Mike Sudinia from Walk the Talk America. I got questions coming in for you, Mike. Uh, Skip says, what about veterans diagnosed with PTSD and guns? You know, what do you guys do with that? Well, we work a lot with the VA. Uh, we work with a lot of veterans. I mean, that, that, that's the thing is that if you go to any gun show in the firearms industry, whether it's the NRA show or you go to SHOT show, what you'll find is that there's so many first responders and veterans 
uh, walking around, uh, part of the lifestyle, part of the culture. And those are the ones we lose the most, right? So we weren't able to talk about suicide by firearm uh, because we were afraid that it was going to be weaponized against us. But at the same time, we're losing the people that we hold near and dear. So we do a lot of work with the VA. We do a lot of work. Obviously, gun shops are places that firearms owners and many veterans are firearms owners uh, trust, right? And that's why if we develop the relationships through the firearm shops, where the people go, they're going to trust that information that's provided to them. And then someone asked, uh, I, I see well, see some questions even on you guys' website. You know, what does someone need, you know, why does someone need a, a more than one gun? You guys get questions like that? Yeah, and that's part of the education piece, right? Like people don't understand the firearms culture. Um, you know, there's a, why does anyone need to own more than one gun? Well, there's plenty of reasons, right? Gun culture is just like car culture. People buy guns because they, they could collect, they could uh, sport, you know, for sport for hunting, for personal protection. And if you look at cars, cars have many different, uh, you know, reasons to buy, right? People like to collect cars, people like to drive fast, <laughs> people like to race. I mean, there's all different types. So it's just basically educating people to understand that guns are normal. Um, you know, I always, I always, you know, I used to tell this all the time. Well, I, I tell it when I speak in front of mental health, the mental health community a lot. I was a small importer. And we used to import 60 to 80,000 guns a year. Oh, wow. And we had no military or law enforcement contracts. And we were small, right? So if we did 80,000 guns a year, what does Ruger do? What does Smith & Wesson do? You realize it's like swimming in the Pacific Ocean. There's a lot of sharks out there. And if you realize how many sharks you're swimming with, you'd probably be scared. And we have to do that same thing with firearms. We have to make it normal. Um, you know, the days of us being the villain are over. And that's why it's important, I think, for us to to help and be socially conscious. All right. And the common narrative was that the clinicians could have your firearm confiscated if you confided that you might be struggling with your mental health. Someone asked a similar question to that. You know, they're concerned with their gun being taken away from them forever by saying, hey, I have mental health issues. Yeah, and that is that that's something that that's important. It's something to be noted that like in certain states with uh, like New York with the New York Safe Act, that is something that could affect your firearms rights. But we're never going to get over that until we start educating the mental health clinicians. For the most part, mental health clinicians do not have a bat phone to the government where they can just pick it up and say, get this person's guns out of here. Right. So you got to be familiar with your local state laws uh, so you can understand what you can and what you cannot say but most of the time clinicians just want to help and that's why it becomes important to make them understand that guns are normal and just because you have a firearm in the home and you're going through a little bit of a depression or anxiety or anything like that doesn't mean that it needs to be taken away from you um, so once again if i could stress anything about the organization it's it's our education piece to the people that don't understand us and if someone's out there right now and they're thinking about this, you know, they're having issues right now where they're thinking about suicide, you know, or, you know, how do they, how do you take a, a free mental health screening? You go to our website and there is a link that leads you there and there's 13 different screenings and you can go through and see where you stand. And one of the things I've, you know, when I first started the organization, I was very skeptical about, Hey, what can a screening actually really do? And I saw it work firsthand. I saw it work with my daughter who thought she had anxiety. Um, and I told her to go on the website. I said, just answer the questions. Uh, honestly, no one's going to come knocking on the door. And two days later, she came into my office and said, dad, I took the screening. And it turns out I only have mild anxiety and she smiled, right? And that's how I got the idea to, to put this link and get it into the hands of gun owners because I saw the way that it, it changed her complete mood. You don't have to be in crisis to take a screening. Go through there and take a screening just to see where you stand. Um, you know, we, we call it a, a checkup from the neck up, right? And that's the importance of screenings. It lets you know how to handle what you're doing and also lets you know where you stand when it comes to whatever condition you're looking into. All right. And then, um, like, if someone walks into the gun store and who can we reach out to, you know, who can we put – this person in touch with, you know, if we think they need some assistance, they're crying out for help, you know, what can, what can I do here in Texas, in Austin, Texas? 
Well, one of the things you could do is is have obviously uh, like there's organizations or, or you know classes like Safe Talk, and and I've seen where entire gun stores have their staff taking this course. Right. And you can also develop a local relationship with mental health clinicians that are pro 2A. Um, and we can help facilitate that. We can get you in touch with people that are right, because there are a lot of clinicians that actually do own firearms as well. Um, one of the things that I would love and I, I'd love it uh, to have it in your store as well is we can get this card on the counter that leads to the free and anonymous mental health screenings, because I think that's a great starting piece, um, you know, for anyone that comes into the store. And like I said, you're not, I don't expect anybody at a firearm shop to be able to stare at somebody and know exactly what they're thinking or what they're going to do. Cause there's no such thing as like minority report, right? We can't see into the future. Um, but one of the things that I think does help is when you just say, look, this is available here. You know, if you're, it, you might not need it now, but maybe in a couple months, you might be feeling down, take a screening. Um, and they know that this is from the firearms industry. And this is from mental health America who is pro 2A. Uh, they, they, they do not believe that just because you have a mental health issue, you should be denied any right whatsoever, including firearms. So I think that this this is important for shops. And there's a telephone number that you guys provide that, you know, person is having problems right now. Listen to us right now. And they're having issues right now. You know, there is a number that they can call for help. Is that right? It's a suicide crisis hotline. Um, you can go on there and I mean, it doesn't have to be urgent, right? You can go on there and just find out information, um, whether you're a veteran or just a regular civilian. Uh, that number is 1-800-273-8255. And you could also text 741-741 and you can get linked up to whatever help you need. All right, so that's the national crisis hotline. So if you're needing to talk to someone, you're needing help. Uh, you can call 1-800-273, that's TALK, 1-800-273-TALK, or 1-800-273-8255, and speak to someone if you're having issues. You know, because even, you know, here in the gun community, yes, we, we do stand up for our Second Amendment rights. Uh, we do believe that, you know, I, I do believe, hey, I need my firearm for personal protection and things of that nature, but I also want to make sure that my family is safe from, you know, the, you know, the enemy within as well. You know, because I may have some demons inside me that I'm dealing with. I may need to talk to someone about that. I don't want to, you know, put my family in jeopardy. I don't want my family members in jeopardy. So, you know, you may need to talk to someone about that. So definitely, you know, if you're having issues, you're having problems, you know, pick up the phone and call someone and ask for help. All right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. It's important. It, it really, yeah, it really is. You know, and, and it, you, you have to, you know, I, I love my customers. You know, and, you know, I really do. And I, you know, I acknowledge the fact that, you know, I've lost customers, you know, I've lost customers by way of death, you know, suicide, all types of things, you know, so we have all different types of issues that that arise in the gun store and people go through a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things. And right, you're right. We deal with a lot in the gun store. I, you know, I have to deal with the FBI, the ATF, the DEA. I have to deal with the local law enforcement, the sheriff's department. And then I have to deal with customers. I have to deal with salespeople. I have to deal with, um, you know, upset customers, happy customers, customers that just want to come and talk and just have a, you know, just have a conversation. Uh, people that want to learn, people that are nervous about guns, want to get involved, you know, want to shoot for the first time, but they're very, they're deathly afraid of guns. They, they you know, they want to do it, but, you know, it brings them, you know, they get anxiety, you know, but they need someone to help them. They break down, start crying at the gun range. I've dealt with so many different issues. I've taken people to the gun range where they've, someone's had a heart attack, a heat stroke, heat exhaustion, brain aneurysm, you know, <laughs> at the gun range. You know, I've had so many different things happen to me in the 20 years I've been, you know, teaching people how to shoot. You know, I've dealt with a lot of stuff and, you know, you, it, it's, it's a lot. It really is. You know, there are times when I have to talk to someone, you know, sit down and chat and stuff like that. So I think everyone, you know, everyone needs someone. You know, there are times when you, you know, you reach a, a point in your life, you have to sit down and discuss things and, and talk things through, you know. So we're saying, hey, you know, it's okay. It's okay. You know, if you need to talk, that's fine. You know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you know, dial the number, calls, you know, call for help and ask, you know, for that assistance. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It.
This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about mental health. We're talking with Mike. Mike Sedini is with Walk the Talk America, WTTA. And Mike, uh, tell the people, you know, uh, anything that we have not discussed, anything I didn't ask you that you want to let people know, you know, about your organization, about you, or, you know, any, any heartfelt stories you want to tell people. Yeah, I just want to say that it's. I think it's super important for us to to step up and really hit this thing head on. Uh, in the firearms community, you usually hear two things, right? Um, you hear, well, all these deaths are suicide, and then it's those damn gangbangers. Like you hear that all the time. Well, those are the two places that we need as a community to run to and be there first and, and really clean it up um, because we do have that valuable space. So I just want people to understand that. When you provide solutions instead of just pointing out problems, uh, it really puts people that are on the other side in a different position because their assumption of the firearms community is that we don't do anything, right? We had talked about that earlier. You just sell guns, those type of things. Um, what's currently happening now with legislation isn't working. The numbers are going up. So legislation is not the answer. So let's look at something different. Let's open our minds and really look at, at what we can do as the firearms community and what we can give up, not rights, not anything to do with rights, but what we can give up in terms of space and also the educational component and really push forward to drive these numbers down. And once again, for everybody listening at home, I'm not sure we're gonna be able to stop suicide. I don't think you ever stop that, but we could do our best to reduce suicide by firearm. Mm. And then uh, where can people find, you know, like you, your, your organization? We, we are on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Or you can go to WTTA.org on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram. It's just at WalkTheTalkUS. Uh, we're very interactive with, uh, with the people that are, are fans of, of the organization. So if you have any questions, feel free to contact us on any of those platforms. Once again, you can go to our website, WTTA.org, uh, shoot us an email. Uh, people, there's always somebody that's going to be re respond within the hour. Um, yeah. And guns are, and also guns are not the most common way that people attempt suicide, right? Uh, guns are up there. Uh, you know, obviously, other ways are, are rope, right? Other ways are, you know, in the garage. People with the car, but people always ask that, like, why do you focus on the firearm? Well, it's because we're gun people, right? Like I said, uh, you know, I'm not here to try to stop suicide as a whole. I'm trying to reduce the number of suicides by firearm. And by no means am I blaming the firearm at all. We don't blame the firearm at all. Um, we just say that this is an opportunity for people, uh, because two-thirds of all suicides are by firearm, Uh that we could we can get in front of them or give them the opportunity to maybe get some help before they 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 decide to take that tragic action against themselves. So that's why we focus on the firearm. It's what we know. It's where we come from. We are the gun industry. And why is screening important? Screenings are important to see where you're at. Um, screen, screenings important. If you go on our website, we have a number of different reasons why we we recommend screenings, but most of them are. To be able to maintain your mental wellness, it's important to know where you're at and where you stand. Um, I'll share a story real quick that my cousin, uh, when I first started this, she went on and she literally took one of the screenings and she didn't like the answer. She didn't like what she got back. She was at a high risk level. So she immediately 
uh, went to go get help and started talking to a therapist, right? And that's catching it early. It's, it's getting upstream to prevent the unpredictable. And that's why you want to screen just to see where you stand. Because sometimes you don't even know you may have these things. And that might be what's leading to your quality of life that's so poor. So screenings are important to do. And, and like I said, you don't have to be in crisis to screen. You could be feeling great, perfectly normal. Just see where you stand. Hmm. Okay. And then once again, your website? It's walkthetalkamerica.org or wtta.org. All right. And then that, that number again, once again, that people can call for help if they need to talk to someone? That is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 or text 741-741. Man, thank you, Mike Sudini. Thank you very much from Walk the Talk, Walk the Talk America. Uh, man, because this is something that we need to talk about, mental health and guns. I appreciate you coming on and talking to us this weekend about this. Yeah, Michael, thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And, and you enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too. Take care. Now, I want to change gears a little bit and talk about the Capitol, the Texas State Capitol. Man, Zach, you know what? I got a chance to walk into the Capitol mm-hmm. and walk into the Capitol, and I wanted to figure out, you know, are they letting unlicensed people, Texas constitutional carry or unlicensed individuals carry a handgun in the Capitol? And so guess what? They have a special entrance. There's, You can go to the west side of the Capitol, the west entrance, and there's a sign that says Texas Constitutional Carry, where, you know, you carry without a permit, you walk through that entrance, and when you walk in, you tell the troop at the door, you know, I'm carrying a firearm, yeah, but I don't have a license, mm-hmm. they'll ask you for your ID, you show that you give the trooper your ID, they will run your background check, and make sure you're not a prohibited person, make sure you can carry under the Texas Constitutional Carry law, and then they will let you carry your handgun in the open or concealed inside the Capitol. So you took it in. Yeah, so I took it in, which I thought was kind of weird because that's actually a felony under the, the, the Firearms Carry Act. Carrying during an open meeting? Uh, that is correct. So to uh, when when so if there's an open meeting, special session, you know, stuff like that's going on, and technically under the, the law, it's 46. Uh, Penal Code Section 4603, and is actually a felony, you know, to carry in an open meeting without a license. So, but they, they're bypassing that at the Capitol, you know, just like, you know, just like school sponsored activities, you know, to carry when there's a school field trip inside the building, that's a felony. So I, I, they're, Hey, they're letting people to do it. They have a special line for you in order to do this. So I thought it was kind of neat. Could they arrest you if they wanted? Could they even like let you in and then arrest you when you're in there because you're violating this? It's, they probably could, but it's kind of tricky because if you're carrying without a permit, and you go through that line, you're, it's you're you gotta you gotta think about what you're asking them. You know, okay, so have I been convicted of disorderly conduct, discharging a firearm in the last five years? Have I been have I been convicted of displaying you know disorderly conduct, displaying a firearm? Have I been convicted of terroristic threats? You know, any felonies? You know, domestic violence or anything like that? You know, can I carry under the text constitutional carry law? Not this is a traffic stop. And an officer's checking me for warrants, not something as simple as that, mm-hmm. you know, but this is more a little more in depth. You know, can you carry any Texas constitutional carry law? And a lot of people don't know. We get a lot of people that walk into the gun store to, 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 pot, to try and buy a gun and can't legally do that. And if you go to the Capitol, you hand them your ID and you can't legally carry in the Capitol. You just open yourself up to getting arrested. That's risky. Would they arrest you? Do you know what their protocol is if someone comes in, tries to carry a gun, yep. and fails a background check? Well, they have about four or five troopers there, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. assuming they're prepared to arrest you. So we'll find out when it happens. I'm curious. <laughs> Maybe somebody could ask them when they come in. <laughs> so, yeah. So if they're letting you into the Capitol. You don't have to have a license to get into the Texas State Capitol. You can show them your ID, go to the west side, the west entrance of the Capitol. And that interest there, it's only for people that are going in who are carrying without a license. That's the only way you can get into that entrance. I, I don't think they're letting anyone else in that entrance at all, except if you're carrying without a without a license. You go through that entrance, show them your ID, they run your background check, boom, in you go. It takes about two, three minutes for them to call it in, and you'll know if you have any warrants. <laughs> That's one way to find out. Right? That's one way to find out if you've got any warrants. 
<laughs> find out the hard way. That's right. That's kind of it's kind of risky. I think that's just me. that's me putting it out there. Uh, it's uh, definitely a lot easier if you have your license. <laughs> I don't know if I want to, you know, do that. It made me nervous. Have <laughs> have run my background check. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, and and I did this. There's a, there's a story about this. If you're wanting to know, it's actually in the Dallas Morning News. And the title of the story is Texas law now allows permitless carry of handguns, but gun owners still screened at state capitol. So there's a news story about it for those people who are like, well, I didn't see that in the news. <laughs> there's a news story. So just Google Texas law now allows permitless carry of handguns, but gun owners still screened at state capitol. It's a Dallas morning news story. Um, man, 60 homicides in Austin, Zach. 60 racking them up and we're only what three quarters of the way done with the year right we got another quarter to go <laughs> we have another another whole quarter even more than that we got three and a half months to go right? two homicides happened early this morning sunday morning we reached 60 the 60 magic number a stabbing and a shooting right the most in 61 years in the austin police department since they've been keeping records so if this continues then it's going to just smash that record Oh man, we 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 smashed it, but yeah, we're gonna smash it. Mm -hmm. My name is Gregorio Eduardo Casar, and I'm proud to be your council member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fool right there. We're not pointing any fingers or anything. <laughs> we're not saying who's responsible. I'm just saying. Hi, Austin Mayor Steve Adler. You got a minute? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Just putting it out there. Okay, we come back from the break. We're going to talk about those homicides. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talking. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. We're talking about the homicides in Austin, Texas. We're talking about Texas. We're talking about this liberal mecca here in Austin. Previous numbers, according to the police records, uh, were that there are 59 homicides in 1984. And when the city experienced a three-year surge, the numbers also is a significant rise from the recent years. In, was it in 2020, we had 48 homicides. In 2019, we had 38 homicides. In 2018, 35 homicides. We have reached 60, and it's September. So we're on track to double the number of average homicides that we have every year. We're doubling. We're going to double it. We're more than double. We we'll only take what? Uh, what are we at? Sixty-two or sixty? We're at sixty. We're right at sixty. Oh, 60. Okay, so ten more is double, right? Yeah, because on average, you know, we average about thirty-four homicides a year. We've averaged thirty-four homicides since two thousand ten, two thousand nineteen. Ooh, at this rate we're going, we will hit uh, like eighty-seven, right? Uh, with another, just another quarter. I don't think so. No, so we have uh, maybe maybe seventy more than a quarter. Yeah, maybe like seventy-two. It's almost a third that we have between just a quarter. Because it's September, October, November. Oh, October, December. November, December. Mm -hmm. Ooh, so a yeah. quarter. Three and a half months. A quarter in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say there, Cassie? Casey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets a little frisky around Christmas and, you know, Thanksgiving. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, the FBI crime data in 2019, the most recent available, showed Austin's violent crime rate of 400 incidents per, uh, per 100,000 residents and 28 among the 30th largest cities, uh, we had 6.2 per 100,000 residents this year, up from 5.0 in 2020 and 4.2 homicides per 100,000 residents in 2016. So we're getting up there. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. And they're saying that this problem is because of COVID. You know, the, you know, like I said earlier, the natives are restless, you know, because of COVID-19, people have been cooped up all of 2020. Now they're out and about doing things and, and things are kind of tough and rough and kind of tight for some people financially and emotionally, you know, losing family members because of COVID, you know, uh, losing family members and you're not able to go, you know, 2020, when you lost someone, you couldn't go to the funeral. Everyone couldn't go. 
couldn't attend. You couldn't say goodbye to your loved ones. You couldn't even say goodbye to your pets in 2020. You know, you lost your dog. You could the whole you know the family couldn't go into the room and and put the dog to sleep and say goodbye. You know, so it was actually it's really rough. Did rough. you know that most animals that get put down, the owners aren't there for them? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm always there for my dogs. Yeah, always there to the end the for every one of be. my dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always been there to you know say goodbye and 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 be there and hold my dogs in my arms when they take that last breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, it's it was it's sad though. We, you know, you couldn't have the whole family in the room to say goodbye. Yeah. You know, that's rough. Um, interim police chief uh, Joseph Chacon says gun crime is the main cause of rising rates in Austin, specifically in homicides and non-domestic aggravated assault. Chacon, Chief Chacon says also that uh, he's concerned with the rising number of robberies committed using guns. What concerns me is the age of most of these people. Do you know that um, most of them, uh, you, you're talking teenagers. We're talking 17, 18, and 19-year-olds year old, that are committing these crimes. Yeah, there's a big increase in carjackings by teenagers. Teenagers. Um, we have a serious parenting problem. This is, a, you know, why are your kids not at home at 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning? How do you know your kids are not at home? What kind of parents don't know your kids are not at home at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning? You know, you're a rotten parent. Rotten to the core. You know, they're out. And, and, and you, you can see it on these on all the ring cameras and stuff like that in the different neighborhoods where, you know, they're posted online where these they're clearly teenagers trying to do car break ins and, you know, trying to, you know, uh, strong arm robbery at gas stations in the, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, while people are trying to get gas on their way home from work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I just don't get it. Parenting. We have a serious parenting problem. I think, you know, just, you know we just need to get a belt and just go to town. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's, that's um. There's another one here. I want to look at uh, and that was four nine cases in this year. Uh, something else I wanted to mention. I saw that the chief was talking about. Yeah, it's already slipped me by. Slipped by me there. Um, but yeah, this is just man. This is just madness here. Madness, complete madness. All right. So the other thing, one other subject I want to talk about is Ben. Woo. Ah. You know, Second Amendment groups in, in on the Biden mandate. If he can force a needle in your arm, can he take your gun? What do you say about that, Zach? I mean, he's trying to get away with all these unconstitutional mandates, right? So what's another one? Yeah, so Second Amendment supporters are expressing concern over President Biden's move Thursday, forcing large employers to vaccinate their employees, fearing that the logic behind the federal you know, this federal mandate here could be applied to confiscating guns or drastically limiting gun rights. Biden announced that he is instructing the Department of Labor to mandate that all companies with 100 or more workers must vaccinate their employees or force them to be tested weekly. Yeah, and it's not going to go the way they think it's going to. For example, in New York, there's an upstate New York hospital that's going to pause the delivery of babies in two weeks because a bunch of resignations by maternity unit workers who are objecting to the vaccine mandates. It's, it's going to have. It's not going to have the effect that they think it's going to have. Is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a. <laughs> there's a cause and effect. You're going to do that, and then the people are going to rebel because people yeah. are seriously don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And you're trying. You know, I've I've seen them, and it 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 worries me because they're they're trying so hard, like uh, lotteries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> there was a there was a video. Guys, like, yeah, where they you know offered you know some money and a, a free hamburger and you know all kinds yeah, of crazy mess. They tried to offer free donuts for Krispy Kreme, right? <laughs> but when that didn't work, they had to step it up. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like you're trying too hard, and when you're trying that hard, that scares me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, whoa, why are you trying so hard? They're trying really hard. Yeah, like aggressively too hard. That's like mm-hmm. ah, it's you. It's little, something's not right now. <laughs> now I'm, I'm, I'm hold on. Let me pause a little bit. So, you know, but Biden announced that he is instructing the Department of Labor to mandate that all companies with 100 or more workers must vaccinate their employees to force them to be tested weekly. Now, this is not about freedom or personal choice. Biden said it's about protecting yourself and those around you, the people you work with, the people you care about and the people you love. So some supporters of the Second Amendment fear that Biden's comments downplaying freedom and touting federal government control of public health represent a danger to the rights of gun owners. You know, if Biden is allowed to impose regulations without a vote by Congress simply because he decides it helps public safety, there's no limit to what he can do. 
Gun advocate John R. Lott, president for the Crime Prevention Research Center, you know, said that on, on you know, the news you know, this week. He said he could use the same reasoning to impose any gun control legislation that he wanted. Anything, you know. Didn't we have him on the show? Uh, yeah, we had John Lott on the show before. Like a year ago or something. Oh, years ago. Very smart, Quite yeah. a few years ago. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Biden's federal vaccination mandate reminds some gun owners that if he could get away with it, would he would use his executive power to mandate as many restrictions on Second Amendment rights as he could. And he has already said the gun ownership is a public health problem. You know, you start naming things the public health problems, then, you know, you can take care of that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> let the CDC handle it, right? Uh, yeah, what did Rahm Emanuel, the old mayor of Chicago, say? He said, uh, never let a crisis go to waste. Mm. Joe Biden and his lawless administration do not ex- respect or follow the Constitution, full stop. The group told uh, Fox News, this group uh, called the Fire and Policy Coalition, um, about the president's announcement. Biden and his officers have already made clear that they intend to unlawfully and unconstitutionally target law-abiding American gun owners with actions that put millions at risk of serious criminal liability. You know, w- what concerns me is the pushback that you're going to get. It's not going to be the the effect that you think you're going to get. When you try to force someone to do something, you're going to have those group of people that are not going to allow you to do it by all means necessary. And that is what you need to be concerned about. You know, you can't push people to the limit like that. You know, yes, you know, you know, try to convince them that this is, you convince them with knowledge, you convince them with education, you know, hey, this is the best thing for you. This is what you should do. And here's why. Here are a list of things that you, you know, a reason why we should do this. If you force someone to do something, you know, and you're, you're talking about administration that says, hey, my body, my choice. You know, you can't say my body, my choice for this, but then what my body, my choice is not for that over here. You yeah, can- a reporter brought that up to the White House press secretary. That, that's serious. You know, uh-huh. is, is it my body, my choice or what? You know, is, you know, it's it's my body. I choose to either I can choose if, if a person chooses to have an abortion or not, or they can choose to, you know, let you put that needle in their their arm or not. You know, you, that's a serious question. You know, what do you believe? You can't go, you know, back and forth and flip flop on that. And you push people to the end. You're not going to get the response that you think you're going to get. Keep mm-hmm. pushing. Keep pushing. Yeah, they asked her that and she just walked off. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll circle back with you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that one. <laughs> we'll circle back with you with that. All right. So, and also, uh, Biden's withdrawal of David Chapman. Hear about that? Oh, yeah. He uh, took his name out of the hat there. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about that. When we come back from the break. David Chapman, he's out of the running now. So, we now got to pick someone new. Aren't we done? No. Uh, we are done. You're right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. All right. So, yeah. So, David Chapman's out. So, he's out. We'll see who else is in. Man, that's that went by quick. Guess you can't go standing on the dead bodies of the Waco victims and then, you know, get appointed after that. That's right. As always, folks, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. 